At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is a look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. You just saw Scott Seidenberg doing a terrific job on the nightcap. So I'm Greg Peterson. I'm filling in for him this week. It's going to be a whole lot of fun and we're going to have a whole lot of college basketball to talk about this week. As now that the NFL season is done, we are now in prime hoop season. Unfortunately, not a lot of NBA action that's going to be going down this week. But we're going to be taking a little bit of a look at the futures market because you wound up seeing a big injury come out of the association yesterday with all that's happening with Chris Paul. So we're going to be diving into that in this show. We're also going to be talking to Jesse Granger. does a great job over there at The Athletic, covering mainly the NHL beat, does a lot out here with the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to be talking with them at 10.30 p.m. Pacific if you're out there on the East Coast, 1.30 a.m., so about 30 minutes from now. We're going to be, obviously, like I mentioned, talking a lot about college basketball and Myself, being from the great state of Wisconsin, I'm sure that many of you guys wanted to seeing this on social media, but we've got more cryptic posts from our good friend, Aaron Rodgers. So at some point, I am going to need to talk about this. Being someone from that great state, it is my contract. I do wind up talking about this at some point. So you're going to be diving into that. But first things first, we got to take a look at what we wind up seeing in college basketball on Monday and try to unearth a couple trends from it because obviously there's no money to be made and taking a look at the games from yesterday, but there is money in taking a look at just turning it forward a little bit, in my opinion. And what we're seeing right now in college basketball, and you wound up seeing it take place on Monday, as well as that you wound up seeing road teams do relatively solid against the spread road teams wound up going 16 and 14. And if you take a look at college basketball over the last 30 days, they've been hitting right around a 53% clip. So I do think that this is relatively in line with what we've been seeing. Actually wound up seeing a couple more unders and overs in college basketball Monday as well. You wound up having a push on one total, 15 unders and 14 overs. You've actually been seeing right around 55 or so percent of games go over the total in the last seven days. But what you also notice as well is that you probably should have gotten, I would say, 17 to 18 unders on Monday. But you wound up having quite a few games with a lot of late game felling. And you're noticing this in college basketball. You wind up having... An eight-point game with a minute left to go, and you know what that means. March to the free-throw line, you wind up having more and more tight games this time of year as well. You wind up seeing a lot of double-digit favorites not be able to come through, like North Carolina. They get the job done against Louisville, but they are unable to cover the 9.5 to 10 that you wind up seeing out there by kind of 70 to 63. And boy, oh boy, at this point, North Carolina, it's been a very strange year for them. It's been a very strange year out there in the ACC in general, but 
when it comes to what you've just been seeing in this conference in general is that other than Duke, there's really no one solid team. Wake Forest and Miami, probably your next best teams out there in the ACC and Miami. They're going to be in action on Tuesday. We're going to be breaking down that game a little bit later, but I certainly do think that when it comes to the ACC, underdogs have been able to show themselves to have a lot of value. Florida State as a slight favorite on the road. They wind up losing to Boston College 71-55. to If you want a team that has just completely fallen apart ever since their win against Duke, you certainly have that. And then Syracuse has about an 8.5-point favorite. Well, they didn't get the job done against Georgia Tech. This is one of those games in which you probably should have gotten an under on it because the total was 146. Game goes to overtime. 74-73 to is uh, what winds up landing. So you wind up having the total go over by one point with five extra minutes in that game. So... That is something that I certainly do think is something that is always worth gauging. And you wind up seeing just an absolutely terrible beat. I know that many of you guys might have been winding up doing a lot of NFL action until I would say the last few weeks. And if you're just diving into college basketball, you have to try to wind up pushing these a little bit more out of mind. You have to try to just be able to roll with the punches on a few of these because if you, like me, wound up having Indiana on Monday, boy, this was a bad one. 80-69, to 69, Ohio State winds up getting the win in overtime. In the last three minutes and 50-some-odd seconds of overtime, Indiana wound up getting outscored by kind of 15-2. to two. They wound up being down by double digits in the second half, clawed their way back. Somehow, someway, the game goes to overtime, and Indiana just made like your buddy at the bar. They just could not close out this game. It was a case in which Ohio State wound up doing a very solid job of being able to get to the free throw line. They wound up being able to make those free throws. And for Indiana, the backcourt of this team just has not been good all season long. There's been a lot of disappointments out there in college basketball. I would consider Indiana to be one of them. Certainly, you've got quite a few teams out there in the Big Ten that could be considered one. You've got Michigan, who has been announced that Juwan Howard, he is going to be suspended for the rest of the regular season. That's a team that they certainly have been underachieving a little bit. And I think that a lot of people would say that maybe they expected a little bit more out of Baylor as well. They were unable to get the cover on Monday, but they were able to get an outright win by kind of 66 to 64. And if I'm looking at teams that I don't necessarily trust going into March now, when it comes to how you wind up gauging these teams going into March, you just have to always keep in mind that even some of the teams that you might be bullish on, some of the teams that you might be bearish on, these are teams that they could very easily overachieve slash underachieve based on what the matchup winds up being because I always think that when it comes to March Madness, you can't pick a way too early Final Four. You really can't say, oh, this is a Sweet 16 team. This is an Elite 8 team until you wind up seeing the matchups themselves because as we know, sometimes the selection committee, they like to get interesting with things to say the least. But when it comes to Baylor, it's a team that I'm not necessarily in on right now. 66-64, they were able to get it done. You've got to realize that Jonathan Chamachachua, the leading rebounder for Baylor, is currently out of the fold for them. LJ Cryer did not wind up playing for them. He did wind up playing a few nights earlier, but clearly did not look like himself. And the only reason why Baylor was able to win this game is because they wound up getting back Adam Flagler, a guy that has been dealing with a couple of injury concerns as well. He wound up going 7 of 13 from three-point range in this game. Rest of the team when he combined two of 16. So that was absolutely critical for a Baylor team that they're only shooting about 70% at the free throw line right now. And when it comes to what they were going up against, they should have, in my opinion, taken down this Oklahoma State team a little bit more handily. 
Oklahoma State, they run going 6 of 12 at the free line. This has legitimately been a team that has been outside the top 200 with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. A Oklahoma State team that they play relatively solid defense. No question about that, but it has been a little bit of an underachieving year for them. And Baylor, they got all that they could handle in this game. We're able to get it done, by the way. This is a rare case in which a game winds going to overtime, and yet the under still winds coming through. This was just a rock fight throughout as you wound up having both of these teams to sub 42% from floor, a combined 29 turnovers. So very much a sloppy game in this one. And when it comes to what you're getting with regards to some of these top 25 teams as well, we are seeing UCLA be able to have themselves a really good defensive run recently. This is, I believe, now the sixth straight game that winds up wrapping up in regulation in which they hold the team to fewer than 70 points. An Arizona State team that had taken down UCLA two weeks ago they wind up falling by kind of 66 to 52. It's a UCLA team that has been a little bit banged up. It was questionable as to whether or not you were actually going to get Johnny Juzang in this game. I know that they wind up having to play without their main point guard at Tiger Campbell in this game as well. And yet still, they were able to do a relatively solid job in this one for UCLA. Certainly not the bunch that you were expecting maybe with regards to rotation, but they wind up going 18 of 20 at the free line for Arizona State. It is a lost year for them. They've been able to pull off actually a couple nice wins. If you take a look at it, I believe that they now have three quadrant one wins, but at the same time for Arizona State, now finding themselves 10 and 16 overall, certainly less than ideal when you wind up losing on your home floor to UC Riverside. You know that it's going to be a little bit of a long year. And for UCLA, it's a team that has been really able to embrace how they've been able to play defensively. And what I think is really key when it comes to basing how good slash bad a defense is, not necessarily looking at the raw numbers, being able to give up 70 points or fear. Yeah, that's a relatively good metric of how a team is playing defensively, but you want to be taking a look at how many points they're allowing on a per possession basis for UCLA. They wound up entering the night 30th in all of college basketball. That is going to rise based on this performance with regards to a per possession basis. So pretty much if you wind up having one of our possessions going into this night, UCLA was giving up 91.7 points per one-hour possession basis, and it's been a team that has really been able to do a good job of being able to embrace sort of a whole is greater than some of its parts approach. I would argue that maybe I was expecting a little bit more out of Johnny Juzang coming into the year, but certainly has been a team in UCLA that has been able to do a nice job of having so many guys be able to step up, having a lot of guys be able to know their role if they're able to have someone like a Peyton Watson do a little bit more for them moving forward as he's another one of these guys that wound up being missing from the team Monday night. I do think that it is going to be a relatively lethal team. And when it comes to teams that could be able to surprise in March Madness as well, I think it's going to be really intriguing to see what you wind up getting out of some of these, these teams moving forward as well, because you've got a lot of teams that are sort of, I guess you could call them teams that if they get the right matchup, they could be able to surprise you. Case in point, Liberty, a team that wound up getting their 20th win of the season. They had Darius McGee go off for 34 points. Liberty, always a team that is one of the slowest in all of college basketball. And when you wind up having a slow team and yet a guy like Darius McGee, who despite that very low and slow style, is able to average 23 and a half points per game, that is very lethal. You can have a sort of Kemba Walker-esque sort of guy take over a game that's big. He wound up having 34 points. Liberty gets the job done against Central Arkansas by kind of 85 to 66 and I'm sure that many people notice the name Colgate. 
for more than just the toothpaste, but uh, the fact that they've been able to make the last few NCAA tournaments, they were able to get a, a win over American 63-49. to A little bit of a new look Colgate team. Their top scorer that wound up leading them to the last few NCAA tournaments in Jordan Burns, now out of the full, but still a team that has been able to shoot about 39% from three-point range. A bunch that they've actually slowed down their style. They're right around 200 with regards to possessions per game, but certainly a team that I think is going to be worth looking at moving forward. And when it comes to college basketball right now, we have been seeing a lot of overs. I do think that that's going to be turning itself around a little bit more. So how about if we start diving into the Tuesday card coming up next? We've got some really good games. It's not necessarily the world's biggest slate, but you've got a whole lot of sizzle. You've got yourself a whole lot of stake. We're going to start taking a look at some of these marquee matchups next. Right here on the look at on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Look At is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and they come in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. For your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so that way you are able to easily find the satisfaction level that is best for you. Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch, and it is available in 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning that it's never been easier to find your Zinn. Go head over to Zinn.com find to be able to locate a store that is nearest you. That is ZYN.com find. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical as. We're back here on the look at it. It is myself, Greg Hughes and filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight, and we've got ourselves some really good college basketball that is going to be going down on Tuesday. So how about if we start things off by taking a look at one of the marquee games of the night. This would be Villanova versus UConn. And I know that a lot of people have been asking me, what the heck is going on with this line? Because Villanova is an underdog in this spot. And right now you're finding Villanova anywhere between a one and one and a half point underdog, depending on where you look for this one. And this is game number 639, 640 on the betting board, by the way. And we're seeing this actually go up to two in a lot of places now as well. So we've seen quite a bit of a move on this one with your total anywhere between 135 and a half and 136. And my biggest takeaway from this is that we have seen a massive move on the total because this is a 
game in which is a little bit of a rematch of what we wound up seeing. I believe it was three weeks ago when Villanova got the job done against UConn by a count of by kind of 85 to or 84 to 75, I should say. That total was set at 129. Now we're seeing this up about five and a half, six and a half ish points. And I think that it's a little bit too far here, personally. I do think that the total that was set the first time of a 129, it was a little bit too low. But I personally am going to be taking a look at an under in this spot. Now, with Villanova, they've been able to play some of their best offensive basketball all season long. But also, this is a Villanova team that, with regards to total possessions per game, they are one of the slowest teams that you're going to find in college basketball among 358 D1 teams. They rank outside of the top 330. So they're a team that they're very much looking to play very slow. And when it comes to UConn, this is actually surprisingly a little bit more of an up-tempo team. UConn has been really looking to push the pace in a lot of their games. They rank right around 100th with regards to possessions per game. So I do think that that's going to be intriguing to take a look at. What I think is going to be key for Villanova in this game is not necessarily winning the rebound battle, but merely being able to play even up with regards to it because UConn, they're able to just absolutely bludgeon you on the glass. This is a team that they rank 10th in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate. And what rebound rate is, is pretty much a percentage of the amount of rebounds that you wind up getting in a game. So right now, UConn's rebound rate, it is at 55.2%. That just merely means out of 100 rebounds that you wind up getting, they get 55.2 of them. So that's just easy enough there. But when it comes to UConn, I do like what you've been able to get down low out of this team. They do a good job of being a block shot, stop 20. With regards to block shot rake, you've been able to have a bunch of guys like Isaiah Whaley do a relatively solid job down low for this team. And then you've got a guy in RJ Cole who's been able to give you 16.5 points, chips in there for assists, relatively solid three-point shooting team. But when it comes to Villanova, I do think that Colin Gillespie really is an X-factor for this team. A guy that has been there for five years now, a guy that does a good job of being able to dish out the ball, gives you 16.5 points per game. And when it comes to this UConn team, Pretty much everyone, their starters, are capable of going off and having a very big night. Villanova as a collective, they're shooting right in the pocket of about 36% from three-point range. But it, what I think is very big, especially in a tight line like this, is free throw shooting. UConn, they're solid at the free throw line. They shoot right around 74 75%. You have no qualms with that. But at the same time, when you take a look at this Villanova team, number one in college basketball, in terms of free throw shooting percentage at a little bit south of 83%. Justin Moore, Colin Gillespie, guys that have been dealing with ailments, they look to be back at 100%. You've got Jermaine Samuels, along with Eric Dixon, who are able to combine for about 12 and a half rebounds per game. And under the radar, Caleb Daniels is someone that I actually like for the team. He's able to give you just under 10 points per game. A guy that has been battling a couple injuries himself this year, but nine plus points in four of the last five games. When you're able to get balanced scoring out of this UConn or out of this Villanova team, it makes it very dangerous. And I think that UConn is going to be suffering the same fate that they wound up having in game number one. I did wind up setting Villanova personally as more around a three-point favorite. So being able to get them as a money line underdog, that is something that appeals to me. I'm going to just be completely bypassing the points because I do think that Villanova should be able to win this game outright. I do think that we've went a little bit too far with this total. I'm going to be taking a look at that under as well. But I do think that Villanova in a good spot to be able to get an outright win and be able to really try to restore order out there in the Big East because the team that year in and year out, they always control it. Right now, they're outside of first place in the Big East because Providence has been having themselves a very nice season. Kansas, they typically find themselves atop the Big 12. 
They're going to be looking for a big one to be able to maintain order out there in the Big 12 as they're going to be facing off against Kansas State. This is 647, 648 on the board. You've got Kansas finding themselves a 12-point favorite, and your total is anywhere between 142 and 142.5. What I think has been really big for Kansas recently is that all of a sudden, rebounding for this team has been able to really come to the forefront. You've got a pair of guys in David McCormick coupled with Jalen Wilson. They have been able to combine for just under 15 rebounds per game. You've been noticing that Remy Martin has been out of the full recently for this Kansas team, but even with that, you've been able to have quite a few guys be able to step up. You've still got O'Shea Ogbaji who's been able to give you 20 points, 5 rebounds per game, and legitimately is one of the best on-ball defenders that you're able to find in all of college basketball and for Kansas State. After it was a relatively solid start to the season for them, things have been going down the tubes a little bit more for them because you have had a lot of guys wind up going down with injuries. Celtic Miguel is back in the fold for the team, but ever since he's come back, he has not looked like his normal self, a guy that has been able to give you just under 10 points per game. Now, you do have Nigel Pack. He packs it in from three-point range. He's able to shoot 43% from distance, team's leading score. You do have a guy in Mark Smith that's able to give you eight and a half rebounds per game, but he's really the only guy on this team that gives you north of five and a half boards per game. And he's not a guy with necessarily a lot of size, right around six foot four, six foot five, and a good combo player. But at the same time, not necessarily a guy that you want to be the top rebounder on your team. It's a Kansas State team that first time they wanted to play against Kansas in the Little Apple. That was a 78-75 to 75 game. Kansas was able to get the job done, but Kansas State was able to linger, and Kansas State legitimately at the half wound up leading in that game by 16 points before things wound up unraveling on them, and Kansas won that game despite going 5-21 of 21 from 3 point range. Now, with Kansas, with regards to their offensive efficiency, it certainly has gone down in recent games. They were a team that they were just absolutely lighting it up in the first two months of the season. Ever since the beginning of Big 12 play, we have seen it fall back to earth a little bit more, but at the same time, Kansas State, they're never a team that they necessarily push a tempo. They're a team that I've got my question marks when it comes to this backcourt. I do recognize that Marquise and Well is able to give you five assists per game, but I do think that Kansas, even with having Remy Martin all sorts of banged up right now, should be able to get it done, especially with the way you've been able to get out of Wilson and McCormick. I am willing to lay it here. I actually wound up setting my line with Kansas being a 13.5 point favorite. So I feel comfortable there. And I did wind up setting my total more around 135 because I do think that you're going to have a Kansas team that has been able to play it better on defense recently because they have been able to do a better job on the glass. Hold down a Kansas State team that has been a little bit all out of sorts themselves. And then when it comes to what you're going to be getting with regards to a little bit more of an interesting matchup, I think that this is something that you do want to be wanting to gauge as well as I do think that this Oklahoma versus Texas Tech game is certainly going to be one that is watching that is worth watching out there in the Big 12 as well with Oklahoma. You're going to be finding them as a relatively sizable underdog here. Finding them in a lot of places anywhere between 10 and 10 and a half points. This is 637, 638 on the betting board. And with this total, finding it anywhere between a 130. And right now, seeing a 130 and a half where I'm at at Circa and with Texas Tech, it's a big time revenge spot for them. Last time these two teams wanted to play, Texas Tech won taking a loss by kind of 70 to 55. And I do still have my question marks with regards to Texas Tech. I've bought in, I would say, 75% on this team because they're one of the best defensive teams that you're going to find in all of college basketball in the top 10 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. That game that you wound up seeing Oklahoma be able to get the win in a few weeks ago, they wound up going 13 of 28 from three-point range. I mean, there were just a couple look box threes in there. I do think that you're going to see things wind up reversing course a little bit more as Texas Tech 
They themselves wound up shooting about 15% from three-point range in that game. They do a good job of being able to force turnovers. And you've got an Oklahoma team that they turn the ball over 14 and a half times per game. I think that this is legitimately a bad matchup for this Oklahoma team. I do think we went a little bit too far with regards to this spread because it was a situation where I pretty much told myself anything of single digits, I'd be willing to lay Texas Tech. I wound up setting them as a nine and a half point favorite as a result. Anything of double digits. So once you wind up getting up to 10, I'd be willing to take Oklahoma. So at this point, I'm going to be taking a look at the, I'm going to be taking a look at the Sooners because I do think that they're going to be able to hold in this game. Porter Mosier, a guy that really impresses me with what he's been able to do coaching up this team. Omaja Gibson, a guy that shoots right around 40% from three, should be able to keep this team alive. I'll give a little bit more insight on this game a tad bit later, but we've got to talk a little NHL. Jesse Granger does a great job of being able to cover the NHL over the air, over there at the Athletic. He is going to be joining me next right here on The Look at on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You give VSIN all access to everything that we do now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th for only $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus access to vcin.com with all of our exclusive betting splits breakdowns now on every single game. The, this deal only happens once a year, so do not miss out. Visit vcin.com slash madness to sign up today as it is a look at with myself, Greg Eubes Peterson, and it has been just absolutely amazing to take a look at everything we've got in the sports world right now. Obviously, my big thing is college basketball, but I do think that things are very interesting in the NHL. I want to get Jesse Granger's Thoughts with this, we're connecting with him as he wound up having the Calgary Flames be able to sweep their most recent homestand. It was the first team, I believe, in something like 20 years to be able to sweep a seven-plus game homestand. They now find themselves atop of the Pacific, and I do think that when it comes to betting on a money line sport with regards to NHL rather than a spread sport like, say, the NFL, like college basketball, the approach needs to be a little bit different. I'm someone that I do both a spread sport myself as my main one with college basketball. And then you have one with the MLB as well, because with the MLB, obviously you wind up betting a lot of money lines. And then you've got that with the NHL as well. So I do think that that's always interesting to take a look at. And it's always great to be able to get great guests on the show as we've got Jesse Granger does a great job of covering the NHL over there at the athletic and Jesse I was just talking about this. The Calgary Flames, they wind up being able to sweep their home stand, and now they find themselves atop the Pacific with 66 points. What has really flipped for this team? Because, I mean, they've been a relatively solid team this season, but they just seem to be catching, they just seem to be catching fire right now. Yeah, they are. They're hot. Um, I was talking to Pete DeBoer about the Flames a couple days ago, and he just he mentioned what sticks out to him is just their team game is in a better spot than most of the teams in this league. And um, a big part of that is injuries. Calgary's been one of the healthiest, if not the healthiest teams in the entire NHL this season. And um, I was I was actually writing a story kind of breaking down the Golden Knights problems of late, and it led me to the to looking at the line combinations for Calgary and how often those guys have played together. And they've just they basically had the same four lines all 
all season long. And obviously you add Tyler Toffoli in and that changes things, but they just have a really great chemistry. They've got a lot of good players. They've got enough good forwards that they can make three legitimate scoring lines and their fourth line still has some dangerous guys on it. So um, to me, it's depth. I think they're, they're in a really good spot. Their team game is really clicking. Their guys are just all in sync and they're playing some teams that maybe aren't quite as, as developed. I guess their team game isn't quite as far along and Calgary's taken advantage of it. Um, I think that they have made a pretty big statement. Obviously in these last 10 games, their last game against the golden Knights, they won six, nothing. I think they're making a statement that um, the golden Knights aren't the only team to beat in the Pacific division right now. Yep. And you mentioned the golden Knights. And what I think has been really intriguing with this team this season is that we know that with the golden Knights, they've always been dominated at home. Aside from this year, the golden Knights this year, they're 14, 11 and three at home. Meanwhile, on the road, they're 15, seven and one. What do you think has led to the golden Knights being a little bit less dominated at home, but actually very solid on the road this season? Yeah, I think part of it is um, the strength of schedule has been more difficult at home because I've actually tried to answer this exact question and it's not easy. It's it's kind of like I even asked Pete DeBoer and he's like, I'm not really exactly sure why we haven't played as well at home. Um, they obviously have had great crowds. The, the, the atmosphere at T-Mobile Arena is as good as it you get around the NHL. So it's not that. I think it's partially they've been playing some really tough games at home. And I think it's also... Um, this team, the defense hasn't been there this year in, in terms of a team defense suppressing shots and chances the way that they have over the last four years. Um, it's not as good this year. And I think when they're on the road, it's easier to put emphasis. You're saying, all right, we're going into this other team's building. We have to be buttoned up today. We've got to be on our P's and Q's, we have to be good defensively, and they play, they, they really focus on defense, and I think when this team focuses on defense, and they let their offense come to them through the defense, they play a lot better, and I think just psychologically, it's easier to do that on the road when you're, you know you're going into this team's building and we're going to have to play a really good defensive game. Whereas I think at home, um, they may be a little more lackadaisical in, on the defensive side, and, and that shows in the numbers. Yeah, it certainly has been interesting to take a look at the Golden Knights because they're always a team that I still remember the Vegas flu from several years ago. Doesn't seem to be quite that anymore. And do you think that it is a little bit more of a factor that teams have sort of been there, done that with having traveled to Vegas a couple more times out there, a little bit more used to it. They know, all right, maybe we shouldn't be going to Hakkasan before the game or anything like that. And they've been able to adjust to that aspect as well. Yeah, I think definitely. I think when Vegas obviously first came into the league, it was all these players, a lot of them, this is our first time in Vegas or definitely their first time as a team in Vegas. So you're more likely to go out for a few drinks. You know what? I'd be curious to see what team's record, what, what the record is of teams that beat the Golden Knights in Vegas in their next game. Because I know a lot of coaches will use that as, a, like I remember the Hurricanes were here and Rod Brindamore told the Hurricanes, all right, if we beat the Golden Knights tonight, we've got an off day. We're going to stay in Vegas. You guys can do whatever you want. I think that can be motivation. Um, I'd like to see what their record is in the game following a game. In Vegas. I would like to see that as well. That is absolutely hilarious. And we talk about the Golden Knights and how they've been good on the road. Maybe not as good as home at home. Here's a team that is out there more in the West Coast, or I guess you could call it more out West in general with regards to the Central Division in the Nashville Predators that they're all of a sudden struggling. They've lost four straight games. And if you really want to go back, I believe that they have dropped now eight out of their last 12 games. What has really been going wrong for this team? Because the Predators, they're a little bit of a new look bunch from what we've seen in recent years. I'm someone that I actually spent a year out there in Nashville, Tennessee. I can tell you that they've got a great home crowd, but things have not been going well for the team recently. 
Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think they're starting to kind of turn into a pumpkin. Um, and, and I think they were not quite as good as they they looked and then, then they appeared early in the season. And I think UC Soros has kind of covered up a lot of those mistakes. Um, he's been, in my opinion, the best goalie in the league this year, at least just from the eye test. When I watch the Predators, the first thing that stands out to me is UC Soros is outstanding. He's not a big goalie. He's a little guy, but he skates so well. He, he uses his angles well. I just really like watching him play. And I think he has covered up a lot of the errors that, that Nashville has made. And as goaltending goes, um, eventually, sometimes you're not going to get the bounces. You're going, on, going to go on a streak where you aren't making all those saves. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing is UC Saros, maybe not quite as superhuman as he was earlier in the season. And and I also just think teams go through. This is, this is the time of the season in the NHL where the lull really happens. Right before the trade deadline, these, these teams are 50 games in. Um, I think the deadline kind of renews some energy, but right now this is just kind of the lull, the dog days of the season. The players like calling it that. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about Nashville. I think that they're still a team that can contend for a playoff spot. And I think that if they get in the playoffs, um, they're going to be a tough out just because of UC Soros. But at the same time, I don't see them as a contender in the same way I look at Calgary and Vegas and Colorado out West. Yep, and you mentioned Colorado right now. They are just laying waste to the Western Conference. They are 11 points clear of everyone. And when it comes to Colorado Avalanche, Avalanche, they have been the most dominant team at home all season long as well, a team that they're just able to go off with goals upon goals. Would you right now put them as a favorite in the league right now, or is there another team that you take a look at and you think that they might be a little bit of a cut above Colorado? Because just whenever I wind up turning on the TV, whenever I wind up taking a look at Colorado, to me, they just look like the best team in the league right now. Yeah, well, I'll agree that they look like the best team in the league right now, but I'm not falling for this. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning are the best team in hockey, and I think we sometimes forget because this team has obviously won two Stanley Cups in a row, and I think that the template after that season three years ago where they broke all these records, they had the best regular season of any team in history, and then they got swept in the first round. I think they realized, you know what, we're putting a little too much emphasis on the regular season. Let's not burn ourselves out in the regular season. You just need to get into the playoffs. You saw last year Tampa Bay was a three seed going into the playoffs. They didn't have home ice. Once we get there, we're the best team. It doesn't matter where the games are played. We're going to win. Um, I'm not putting anyone above the Tampa Bay Lightning until someone knocks that team out. They are at, obviously they lost some pieces um, this offseason. The, the salary cap finally caught up with them. They, they had to move some guys out. But to me, that's still the best team. They've got the best goal. Andre Vasilevsky is a stud. They've got Victor Hedman, one of the best defensemen. And then they've got studs up front. They have so many good players at every level. I think the Avalanche are incredibly impressive. Don't get me wrong. I think the Avs are probably right there behind Tampa Bay. Um, Darcy Kemper has been very good lately. He wasn't as good early in the season, and that's kind of why Colorado got off to that slow start. But the Avalanche don't look the same in the playoffs, and maybe they will this year. You always say that until they do, and then, of course, once they smash everyone, it's like, well, we saw that coming. But I have a hard time believing in the Avalanche to be this dominant team. Not that they can't make it to the cup final or that they can't win, but to be this dominant team, they just haven't looked that in the playoffs. When teams have seven games against them and they can defensive game plan specifically for them, they can slow the game down a little bit. They can make the abs fight for things. And the, the avalanche goaltending has caught up to them in the past. We'll see if Kemper is the answer to that. Um, he's had some up and down moments this season. I think he can be good enough, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he's the weak link on that team. So while the abs are dominant right now, and they certainly look like the best team in hockey, I'm still sticking with Tampa Bay. The abs certainly do look a little bit dominant right now, but not as dominant as you were on this interview, Jesse. Always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime, guys. It is going to be so great to take a look at what we're going to be able to get moving forward. And there's nothing quite like playoff hockey. And coming up next, we got to take a look at the landscape of the NBA now that we've got some news with regards to Chris Paul. That's up next right here on The Look It on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the look ahead on vsin the sports betting network Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check out the current betting splits data. This is a new feature that gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits data for every single game. Now at as it is a look ahead with myself, Greg Pearson, and just mentioned it a little bit before we wound up going to break. And by the way, big thanks to Jesse Granger. Does a great job over there at The Athletic covering all things NHL and did a great job of joining me in the last segment. But we've got some news out of the NBA that Chris Paul going to be out for the next six to eight weeks. So as a little bit of a blow for the team that currently has the best record out there in the NBA for the Phoenix Suns. But before you wind up getting a little bit overreactionary, I don't think that this is necessarily the world's worst thing because if you take a look at the way that the schedule shakes out with Chris Paul being out for about six to eight weeks, that means that he's probably going to miss the remainder of the regular season because regular season, it falls right in between that. You've got about seven weeks until the regular season winds up wrapping up. That would be on Sunday, April 10th. Playoffs begin a week later. That would be April 16th. And obviously, Phoenix Suns, they're not going to be in any sort of a playing game or anything like that unless if things go cataclysmically wrong, which I don't think that we're going to see quite that big of a fall off. And as a matter of fact, if you take a look at the odds for the one seed, because over at DraftKings, you're actually able to bet on playoff seeding and the exact seeds. The Phoenix Suns, even with this injury, they are still minus 900 to be the one seed out there in the Western Conference if you're looking at the East, by the way. That's a little bit more of a jumbled up mess as the Miami Heat currently find themselves at minus 110 to be the one seed. And then from there, you've got the Bulls and the 76ers anywhere between three and plus 350. And then the Bucks they clock in at four to one. But when it comes to this Phoenix Suns team, I do think that they're going to be just fine, even with Chris Paul missing a little bit of time because... Chris Paul, he's already got a very good rapport. It's just one of those guys in which it seems like 
wherever he drops into, he always has good chemistry with his guys. Now, you just have to feel a little bit bad for Chris Paul in general because, I mean, how many times doesn't it happen where he winds up having an injury that winds up derailing things? We all remember his time with the Houston Rockets. He winds up suffering that injury late. The Houston Rockets wind up missing like 500 million billion threes in that game against the Golden State Warriors, and they still very nearly pull that game out. If Chris Paul is out there on floor, you got to think that they would have been able to make the conference finals that they would have made the finals that year and probably would have been able to win the championship that season. It's a guy in Chris Paul that is still in search of his first title, but you just take a look at the way that the Suns are built and the lead that they've got because right now they're 48 and 10 straight up. That is by far the best record in the NBA and they can afford to be a little bit more cautious with Chris Paul. They don't need to put him out there too soon. They can have him rest up for the remainder of the regular season. You probably don't want him out for too much of the postseason, but even if you wind up getting the one seed or act, even in the two seed, you've got to think, think that things are going to be favorable enough that even if he's not necessarily fully 100%, even if he needs to miss a little bit of time, this team is going to be just fine. They didn't have to go out at the trade deadline. They didn't have to make really any sort of landmark moves because I mean, they've been able to do a good job of being able to set themselves up for success as it is right now. Now, with having Chris Paul out of the fold and also dealing with a little bit of an injury to Cameron Payne as well. I don't think that that can go unnoticed, but even with all these injuries, you've still got a relatively rock-solid team. You also have to acknowledge that Landry Shamit has been dealing with a little bit of injury concerns as well, so you do have a little bit of a banged-up Suns bunch, but I mean, with all those guys, when you wind up being able to get them back in the fold, it's going to lead to a very lethal backcourt for the Phoenix Suns moving forward, and I still think that the Phoenix Suns are going to have some difficulties when they do wind up going up against the Golden State Warriors. I think that that's going to be their main competition out west. But I take a look at the Suns bunch, and I do think that even with the injury, they're still in relatively good shape. If you've got a future ticket on the Suns, I would say probably you want to hold back, hold Pat. You don't need to do anything rash here because I do think that the Phoenix Suns are going to be just fine moving forward. Now, when it comes to a game-by-game betting perspective, you probably want to see how the Suns are going to be looking in their first game or two with Chris Paul out the fold before you wind up either backing the Suns at what is going to be a little bit more of reduced numbers because having Chris Paul out of there, no question that's going to cause for a little bit of a move on these lines from a night in and night out basis. And when it comes to how you're going to be gauging totals, that I think is going to be really intriguing as well. I'm not sure what that's necessarily going to do for them because Chris Paul, he's a very good plus defender, but at the same time, right now leading the league with right around 10 and a half assists per contest. But I do think that when it comes to the Suns, whoever they wind up playing coming out of that playing game, whether it be as it stands right now, you've got the Timberwolves, Clippers, Lakers, and Trailblazers out there. They should be able to get by any of those teams, especially if it's a team like the Portland Trailblazers. I know that there's a lot of people that are talking about the doomsday scenario, which you wind up facing off against the LA Lakers. But I mean, let's call it what it is. The Lakers just aren't that good. The only thing that the Lakers have going for them is the fact that during the preseason, we thought that they were going to be good. And well, lo and behold, GM LeBron James did not do a good job deciding, oh, let's trade away all of our young guys and instead bring in Russell Westbrook, who's ancient, can't really shoot it very well on a team of a bunch of other guys that can't shoot it very well. And well, you've got that big giant calamity out there. But when it comes down to it, I still do think that there is good value here on the Golden State Warriors. Phoenix Suns, I don't think that you have to do a lot of adjustment, both higher or lower with regards to their futures price. I mentioned it with DraftKings, the fact that 
even with the injury to Chris Paul, they're still minus 900 to be that one seed out west. But if you're taking a look at odds to be able to win the, we're going to go down to a conference because I think that it's a little bit of a different animal. Right now, you still got the Suns at plus 180. You got the Warriors right there at plus 185. So these two teams are very much neck and neck. And then from there, it's just a big giant fall off. Lakers being at 18 to one, that is honestly laughable at this point. The Jazz at plus 650, Grizzlies at 11 to one, and the Nuggets at 15 to one. I think that those are a little bit of intriguing looks. The Grizzlies, especially because I do feel like this is a team that's maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. I do think that there might be a little bit of fall off, and I really do like John Morant. I did feel like coming into the season on a night in and night out basis, you would be able to have a lot of value with the Memphis Grizzlies, and that's far. It is certainly proved to be the case, but at the same time, I do think that when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, it is a team that maybe you want to be a little bit more tepid with your approach to them. Now, Jaron Jackson Jr. right now looking like one of the best players in the NBA. He's certainly going to be a contender for Defensive Player of the Year when it comes to the ancillary pieces, some like a Desmond Bain being able to step up for 18 points per game. That was a little bit unexpected, and once you wind up getting back Dylan Brooks as well, a guy that has only been able to play I believe 20, 21 games a season that should be able to lead to this team being a little bit more well-rounded. But at the same time, I do fear that this could be a team that they could wind up having a little bit of a fall off towards back after the season. We've seen some of their recent draft picks not necessarily be able to pan out as well. That is something that sometimes wind up, winds up catching up with you a little bit, but I do think that that is an intriguing team, but you just take a look at this Golden State Warriors team. I've been very steadfast on this team. That's the beginning part of the season since you wound up seeing them be able to emerge onto the scene. And I still think that Stephen Curry deserves to be the MVP at this point for what he's been able to do for the team. Clay Thompson has come back. He's looked relatively solid, averaging 17 points per game. He's been able to knock down 37.5% of his threes. You got to feel like as the season goes along, he's just going to get more and more rock solid with his approach. He's going to be able to just lock in in general. And what I really love about the Golden State Warriors is that among all teams in the NBA, I feel like they've been able to do the best job of being able to mix and match with the guys that they have at their disposal. You've seen it just throughout the year. Guys like a Gary Payton II, who, I mean, he's an afterthought. He's not necessarily a guy that is going to be seeing massive minutes in the postseason, but he's been able to come through. He's had himself some good moments. Heck, Juan Toscano Anderson, who we wound up seeing him in the slam dunk contest. That wasn't necessarily too terrific for him, but he's had his moments this year. You've had Guys like Otto Porter, Jordan Poole be very good ancillary pieces for the team. Guys that really know their role. And keep in mind, they have been doing this all without having out there as well a few of their other pieces as well. This is a team that they wound up having Clay Thompson out. But also, James Wiseman has not played a single game for the team all season long. And yet, they still have been able to find guys like Jonathan Kominga, who's been able to do a solid job as a guy that has come in as a rookie. Be able to do a nice job being able to give you right around eight points per game. You just have a lot of that when it comes to Golden State Warriors. So I'm still very much in on this team. If there is a team that I think might be a little bit interesting, a team that has been going a little bit under the radar, it is the Utah Jazz just because I do think that Rudy Gobert, all that he's able to do for this team is big. And then Donovan Mitchell is a guy that's able to go into takeover mode when needed, a guy that's able to give you 25 and a half points per game has been dealing with a couple of health concerns both this year and just throughout his career in general. As long as he's out there, he's at 100%. I do think that this is a Utah Jazz team that has themselves an opportunity to be able to surprise as well. But make no mistake about it, even though Chris Paul is dealing with a little bit of an injury, this is a Phoenix Suns team that is just fine. I don't think that you have to do 
a big giant adjustment when it comes to futures board even with chris paul being out for the next six to eight weeks something that you don't need to adjust the fact that you've got a lot of college basketball to bet on as well coming up next i'm going to be looking at what we've got out there in the sec for tuesday right here on vsin esports esports betting network At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.